Yo, I put it like wow, this that sound These oaks don't work hard like me, I hope they know by now Bail, bail, stand my ground Throw these money trees, go overseas like Percy Tau I'll make sure you stay around, quiet when I'm under loud No negatives allowed, me positivity took a vow I always play to win, don't anticipate loss Mind always in the clown, my boy, never think about the drop Never, ever, ever think about the drop Welcome to it, sports fans. It is the MKT Show. I am MKT. I hope you're having a fantastic day. I hope you're having a fantastic day. Wherever you are, I hope it's going well. I hope you're having a firecracker. You know, saw on a friend of mine on his profile that he just got married. Didn't even realize it. Am I a bad guy for not realizing in his avatar that he just got married? And then the next question is, how come I didn't make the wedding, the wedding list? But then the next thing is, thanks for not inviting me to the wedding. I'm not really a wedding guy. If I'm being completely honest. Got two weddings in the next month. It's going to be brutal. But, you know, this, this is the kind of hero I am. I'm going to get through two weddings, power through. And here's the thing about these weddings, by the way. You know, you can get through weddings if you're kind of on the periphery. At the one wedding, I'm the MC. At the other wedding, I'm the best man. So there isn't really like a, I can just hide in the back kind of thing, you know? Having said that, I am a little bit, I have been accused of wanting to be the life of the party. Believe it or not, people have accused me of that, which is a, it's a heinous allegation. But... So, you know, you got to wear it. You got to say, that's what people are feeling, even though I'm a shy, delicate flower, in my opinion. But opinions differ. Opinions differ. Anyway, shout out to uh, my homeboy. I mean, I can say shout out to Jason getting married whenever he did. Hope, um, hope that goes for eternity. Hey, listen, stuff's happening in uh, this day and age, by the way. I'm... <laughs> You know, I feel like I wish I could share more stuff that's happening in my personal life because when I was younger, I was, I would say, from 23 to 28, I was just a hazard for my friends, right? Like, just not the person you want to hang around. And then I made some decisions, whatever. I think we've covered it on the podcast. I'm not saying I'm the second coming of Jesus Christ, but there's been a rebirth in that sense and people are saying the most humble man alive the greatest to ever live and people say you're so humble and i say no no don't say that i'm too humble to even accept the award for being called humble you know that's how humble i am but as i've gotten older you know especially the people i'm close with is there's there's people who believe in you and then you you do better like i have to be honest I have such incredible human beings in my life that the examples of the person I've always wanted to be, whether it be my father, my mother, my sister, my, the, the few people I call friends, I've got such great people in my life. So I didn't really have to work that hard to turn my life around. So I'm now 
I've, I've used the cheat sheet, really. I've just taken all of their best attributes and just used it in my life. It's like, oh my goodness, you guys are such great people, so successful. I'm just going to do what you're doing all the time, or most of the time. No one's perfect. And it's worked out pretty well. I'm not going to lie. The last, uh, the last decade has been pretty, pretty, pretty good. Having said that, here's the other side of that is, you know, I've got relative life stability which means you create bandwidth to be checking in on friends. And man, oh man, is life happening out here, by the way. Life is happening to people every day. It's happening every day. And just because you're not looking, it doesn't mean life's not happening. I am hearing, I've got friends coming to me, talking through their relationships and how they're feeling about their kids. Spent some time on the phone with a friend of mine earlier. He's about to leave on a cool trip. Um... Hey, life is life is happening. It is happening to people. So I, I truly hope, uh, Jason, good guy, good guy. And I hope um, everything that he wants for that relationship comes through, you know. Good, good things don't, don't always happen to good people. I think we can all say that, you know. So when, when there is the opportunity for that um, glimpse of, of life shining its light on the right people, you know. Hey, because... The world is a crazy place, you know. So I hope um, I hope Jason and his wife are, are super happy. And even then, sorry, let me pull that back. I don't really believe in happiness, but I hope they are content and can create the life that they've dreamt of together, you know. Whatever that means. For some people, it's going on holidays. Jason will have his own thing. If you're at home and you're married or you want to get married, create your own thing. Do your own thing. It, do, it doesn't need to be what Jason's doing, what I'm doing. What your next door neighbor's doing. I mean, also, let's not be crazy here. <laughs> you, you, you do need to do your thing. Like, don't, don't just think, oh, we're married now. I can relax, you know. Because that's, that's a thing, right? We, we all do that in relationships. Even in our friendships, it's like, oh, they're my friend. I don't need to phone them. I don't need to check up on them. It's fine. We're friends now. <laughs> It'll last forever. No, it won't. Got to put some effort in, you know what I mean? Got to water that garden, as they say. It's not a real garden. Don't worry about it. It's not a real garden. It's, it's a metaphor. The, the, garden, the garden is a metaphor for the flourishing of your, <laughs> for the blooming of your relationship with the other person. It's not a real garden. It's not real water either. You know what I mean? Save some water out there. So, truly wishing anyone, by the way, anyone, if, you, if you're in a relationship, you just got into a new relationship, 2024, I'm hoping that is awesome. But if you've just signed those nuptials up and uh, you, you've entered that whole new realm of life, all the best. All the best. Presuming, by the way, while we're at it, here's my thing about marriage. If you're going to get married, my, my, my position is this. Like, I'm not going to get married unless I plan to have kids with that person. Like, what's the point? And I know there's tax breaks and whatever, but like... Even if you're a gajillionaire, like who's going to inherit your stuff if you don't have kids? Who are you going to give it to? So you don't need to worry about capital gains tax on your, you know, trust fund. Like who cares? You don't have kids. And who cares if your nephews are going to get it and they've, they're going to have to be tax, whatever it is, 15% extra because you're not married, right? So outside of tax reasons i just don't know why people would get married oh sorry outside of family reasons why would you get married 
I don't get it. Am I crazy? Like, uh, okay. Uh, also, again, you've got to keep remembering. I am not religious. But for some people, it is sort of a duty above themselves. Shout out to G.O.D. Because G.O.D. says, you know, the role of a man and a woman is to get married and be one, become one flesh. I think that's right. I haven't been to church in a very long time. But to become one flesh. Die unto yourself every day, I believe the good book says. So maybe you've got some thoughts there. Uh, like, uh, What is the point of getting married unless you're having kids? Because then I get it. I, I, I believe in structure. And I am not a psychologist. I'm not giving out any advice. I'm just saying the way I've thought about life and asked wise people about it and just sort of moving forward in a resource-driven world, resource is money, like, unless I'm getting, you know, putting a bun in the oven, what, why are we going through that? Who's it for? <laughs> Somebody said, and I, I saw someone last week about this, about marriage. Is something you've got to realize is the wedding's not for you. It's for your family. So there's also that, you know, the wedding occasion. Because in my mind, I've always thought, if anyone who knows me, I've always said, we just signed the court papers and ideally she's back in her lunch meeting for half past one. Like I'll meet you at the courthouse. We'll sign the papers. Mwah, big kisses. You go back to the office. I go back to, I don't know, having a, a low fat shake or whatever. I don't know what I'm drinking at that time. You know, I'll probably be in my 40s at the time. Can't just be having a full fruit shake in the middle of the afternoon because of the calories. You know what I mean? Keep the weight on at 40. Anywho. Those have always been my thoughts. But as I'm talking to people, it's like, okay, but you're just thinking from inside your own head, what happens when you meet the other person? Because the other person might be thinking, oh my goodness, I only plan to do this once. It's going to be an extravaganza. What then? What then? Huh? And then I thought, oh, that's a very good point. That's, <laughs> you know, because I, I've been living alone for so long. It's like, yeah, yeah, okay. Hadn't, haven't had to think about that. Haven't had to think about that. So I imagine this is something that's going through lots of bachelors and bachelorettes' minds. Like, what's that going to look like? Especially the new generation. It's like, oh, marriage makes no sense, bro. Such a, such a lust, bro. <laughs> such a lust. If you're not from the north of Johannesburg, you probably, I can't even, I, I'm not sure you can translate lust. So, bro, it's such a lust. Eh? Not sure. Not sure. I'm keen. You're having kids. What a sacrifice. That's with two A's, by the way. Sacrifice. Bro, I can't even imagine sacrificing that much. I'm like, ah, oh, fair enough. But the the modern kid is different, you know. Back in my day, you just got married. Well, back in my parents' day, like I'm a little bit of I'm a little bit a part of this as a you know Gen hybrid. I think of myself as Gen hybrid. Somewhere between Gen Z and whatever. Millennial. So, interesting one. But point is, life is happening to people. And, uh, sure. All the best. Just made me think of that. Because I was chatting to Jason earlier this week. Like, bro, is that your... Are you married in your... Your avatar on WhatsApp? I said, yeah. Like, oh, jeez, man. So, I'm going to have to give you a call about that, brother. Didn't even realize. Makes you think. It does make you think, though. 
checking on your friends. Because people are still living their lives. Sometimes you think, sometimes you put yourself at the center of every, everyone's life. And it's like, no, 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 no. People are getting married out here. Shout out, man. Couldn't be happier. Couldn't have happened to a nicer dude uh, who has been a big supporter of the podcast in general and, uh, in my opinion, a good friend. A good friend. And I've, uh, I'm lucky to have those. Not sure why I thought of that, by the way. Not sure why I thought of that. Speaking of that, we're going to talk about Arsenal fans' response, by the way. Uh, Short-ish podcast today. We'll see how it goes. Arsenal fans celebrating against Liverpool. You know know what's made me want to talk about this? I've got Arsenal fans that are my friends. And I'm like, so I texted them. I'm like, guys, you didn't win the treble. Oh, my God. The responses I got made me want to vomit. So I thought, okay, I'm going to have to address this because it's too much. Jamie Carragher, Gary Neville did too. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But I got some feedback from a friend of mine, a previous pod, and I do want to hear from the two female listeners we have on the podcast. By the way, shout out, 6,700 listeners on the last podcast. Unbelievable. Ah. So the Valentine's thing. So obviously Valentine's is coming up. I gave my thoughts, and a friend of mine sent me a voice note. He said, I, I, I got to give you some feedback. And he said, look, Here's how I do it. And I thought, oh my goodness. Now, keep in mind, me and this guy are very, very close. So perhaps there is some osmosis in terms of bias that we've maybe spilled into each other over the years. Anyway, dude's about to get married to this lady. So it's not like he's practicing, you know? This is actually his lady. So it's not like some little floozy that he's got on the side. This is actually his lady, long-term. They're about to get married. And he said... He's not really a Valentine's guy. But what he's proposed is, we'll do it alternative year. So this year, I'll do Valentine's Day. Next year, you'll do Valentine's Day. And it's on either party, you know. And I thought, that is absolutely friggin' genius. Absolutely friggin' genius. You know why I love it? (laughs) What it does is tell the other person how much they can put into it the following year, you know? And at some stage, if, let's say like, okay, so my friend's not into it. Let's say his lady kind of runs out of energy for that. He, he Then he can just stop doing it because he's not into it anyway, you know? And as every good partner I think should do is you meet your other partner halfway and he's a good guy anyway. Uh, you know, he, he looks after, they look after each other. They're, they're, they're both great humans but if she stops doing it then he can just stop doing it and then they can just keep having their relationship like it doesn't need to be a thing you know but it is a thing it is a thing like valentine's day is a thing i'd love to hear i mean i haven't got any feedback from the ladies who listen to the podcast but single or married by the way or in a relationship if you boot up i'd love to hear just from the ladies probably like two ladies who listen to the show what are you like? I'd, l- I'd love to hear your thoughts on Valentine's Day. Is it a thing for you? Do you want... W- what kind of romantic stuff do ladies like? So that's another thing. I'm, by the way, it might be some good research for me. You know, is it... What do you like? You know, is it money? Is it trips? Does your boyfriend have to spend money on you? Does your husband have to spend money on you? Is it the gesture of... Maybe one day a week is date night. Like, I, I don't know what ladies are into. Like, I, I don't really engage with it like that, you know. So I'd love to know. Like, what is romantic? Is it 
For some people, it's chocolates. For some people, whatever. You know, now I'm just making stuff up. Like I'm, I'm the least romantic person maybe to ever be born. So I, I, I don't have those kinds of thoughts. You know, beyond being, you know, nice to people, I don't really know what more I should be doing. You know, like obviously in that sense. Spending time. I, I, I'm more of a spend time with people kind of person. What are you like? Okay, let's adjust to that. And obviously, I'm going to have to watch less football. Not sure how we're going to figure that out. But, you know, like, that's going to be tough. But I'm going to have to do that. Do I just... I mean, I've got the DSCV app on my phone. So, it's fine. We can be at a boring whatever. I'm, I'm probably going to watch football anyway. Not probably. I have done it. I, I have done it. On... Not necessarily dates, but I've done it where <laughs> I remember <laughs> speaking. <laughs> it's actually so funny. So we were in Copenhagen and they're quite big on culture. It's my ex-girlfriend. And she took me to like a philharmonica mixed with a play. It was like, it was a big thing. It was a, it was a Danish English rendition of King Lear, which, and, and, and listen, I'm, I'm Shakespeare guy, right? Like I, 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 I love, I, I don't go to movies, but if you take me to the West End, like I've been, I've seen proper, pucker, I, I will pay big ticket price for proper, proper, you know, um, plays. So New York, whenever I'm in New York, I make sure, get out there. Uh, and I mean, the best is London, right? You go to the West End, it's, there's nothing like it. Anyway, I remember <laughs> we went to this thing, and, and it's pucker. I mean, I'm talking like Danish royalty kind of thing, right? And I had my phone out watching the football, like in the middle of this thing. And it was good, it was good. But that's just like, I'm so obsessed with football. I don't know what I'm going to do about that. It, 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 it's something I've thought about. Like, what am I going to do if I'm in a relationship and it's a Friday night and it's Aston Villa against Wolves? Now, I know lots of people say it, but you can just check the app. Like, no, 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 I have to watch it. Like, I watch every Premier League game I can. Like, I, I'm not like, a, oh, I only watch my team. I, I can't express to you how much I love football. So that's going to be interesting. And, and it happened. It happened... It happened. Maybe that's why I'm not. Uh, that's why I'm not with her anymore, or she's not with me. You know, like pucker. When I say proper, the kind of imagine what you're imagining in the movies. Suit, dinner. Like it was full on. I mean, she, she really pushed the boat out. There I am, <laughs> watching. Ah, I can't remember what the game was. So, there is that. You know. But what is romance? What is romance to 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 the ladies? And, by the way, maybe there's guys who like to be romanced as well. You know, you're welcome to respond. But I would like to hear from ladies. It, like, they are, the way our social archetype is set up is generally men are, although these young girls, oh, it's a different time now. Let me, let me tell you, the DMs are, are my DMs, I, and I'm no one. I, I, I'm a zero. I'm not even good looking. I don't want to know what my friends that are doing well and people that are doing well, what your DMs are doing, because these new age girls are, on a whole different level, they, they, they are, they are thirsty. The, the thirst is real. However, having said that, our social construct is guys are usually chasing. 
So ladies, what is romance? Is it dead? Is chivalry dead? Oh my goodness. Is society crumbling? Are we over? Will we never be the same again? Do we need to go back to romanticism? Should we be writing each other poems? What is romance? And scene. Uh, would love to hear it. All right, MKT Shop. Welcome to it. Let's get into the football or the sport. Uh, hell of a week. I mean, the SA20 is coming uh, to crunch time now. As I record this, DSG, I think made 200 and a bit. Uh, and Joburg Super Kings are chasing that. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, it's going to be tough though. Ugh, 10 and over. It'll be a tough chase. Tough chase. All right, get into the show. Uh, saw an article this afternoon about the IFAB trialing blue cards in football for dissent and cynical fouls. And at the lower level, and it's working well. And you know what I've thought about quite a bit? And my thoughts on this particular blue card. Um, so they, they, they want to give a blue card for... So it's essentially a sin bin in rugby. It's 10 minutes a player will be off the field. So what they're trialing it for is for dissent and for cynical fouls. So dissent, for those who don't know, if the ref gives a decision and you yell, throw a ball, kick a ball, whatever it may be, post the incident. Here's my thing. And what I'm... What I feared would happen to football, and it's happened to rugby, it's ha- and it's okay in cricket because it's a, it's a la-dee-da, fuddy-duddy game anyway. And rugby's a rich boys game anyway. So I don't really have a problem with the suits being involved there. My biggest problem in football is that it's, it's a working class sport. And, you know, the, the embers, the, the philosophy of anything determines its outcome. Philosophically, money and football are diametrically opposed. Because when football was invented um, at the fact, in the, and we, we talk about association soccer, when those rules were written by the workers in the United Kingdom, at the factories, the only reason football started, and this is important, football started purely to associate. That's why they call it association soccer. That's why they call it the football association. Just so you know, if, you, if you'd like a little bit of a history lesson on my beloved game. And football, we must be very careful about this. Football is the working man's game. Whether you like it or not, there's nothing you can do about that. You, you cannot reverse time, right? And the great Simon Critchley, um, in his writings, he's a philosopher who writes about football, big Liverpool fan. But I, I just love reading his work, especially as he, he delves and he mixes in philosophy with football. Called it the working class ballet, which I think is such a fantastic way of describing football. And he, he has... You know, he articulates the game of football beautifully. He says, you know, football is an extension of war by other means, you know. And he goes into the the analogy of football is about policing space. You know, it's about the strategy of moving your unit against theirs. It's about adjusting to their moves. It's about, you know, you know, the, the analogy, it's, it's analogous to war. And he says football is an extension of war by other means. Which I absolutely love. And, and some people say, you just take that from politics, right? Politics is an extension of war by the means. And 
my immediate thoughts about the suits coming into football is that there's too many nerds now. There's too many nerds that have come in and they've transcended where they should be, which is making money, marketing, and elevating the game status from the field to turn it into what it's become. I, I, I like nerds. I like smart people. Don't get me wrong. I don't want their, their fingers in football because I almost feel like it's revenge of the nerds where they feel like, oh, I got left out in school. Now I'm going to get my own back. Like, like these midheads don't know what's happening. And here's why I say this. In football, the ebb and flow of things is very different. And why the dissent thing? I hate the fact that they're trying to take dissent out of the game. Again, it is a working class game. And, you know, when you whittle it down to it, is working class people communicate very differently to fuddy-duddy rich kids. You know, working class people are going to express themselves in a more unfiltered, unadulterated way. It's not that they're less cultured. It's just it's just where they come from. If you go to any working class area, people tend to be more coarse and louder. And if you go to the countryside anywhere, you know, people tend to be less well-spoken as opposed to sort of the diction of an Oxford, if you're English, you know. They're not going to sound like that. They're, you know, if you go to the north of England, they sound a little rougher than they do down south. And my point is, I hate this. I hate this sin bin. I hate this tiny take. Because the violent nature of players' response to referees is a part of the game. You shouldn't separate the two. You shouldn't go... Because here's what's happening. They're trying to teach life lessons in a billion-dollar industry. I'm sorry. There are no life lessons in the English Premier League. It is about winning. And these are some of the most competitive men in the world, by the way. To get to that level, you've got to be one of the most competitive human beings in the world. Less than 1% of, of the world that gets into academy football makes it to the first team. Less than 1% makes it to the first team in the Premier League. Right? So you're talking about the most highly competitive... If they've got slightly rough edges, why does that bother anyone? And also, who cares if the referees are upset? You're letting them ref less of the game anyway, and where it's headed with VAR, it doesn't really matter who's refing the game. We're very rarely going to get bad decisions in five, six years' time, which I have a problem with anyway. But it's part of the TV show. Why are you trying to teach life lessons on the football pitch? Do that in high schools. Raise your own children. And stop telling me that footballers are role models. Like, stop telling me that. Now, ideally, they should take that on themselves. Anyone who gets paid well should want to play that role, right? But I don't want Roy Keane being well-behaved and then getting sent off because he's having a word at the ref. I'm sorry. Like, that passion, the connection for... Wayne Rooney and the Stratford end is that. Steven Gerrard and the cop end, it is that. Sometimes, you know, in football, unless you really watch football, I remember Roy Keane would make a tackle back in the day and change the game because the Stratford end, as soon as Keane would make that tackle, they're 1-0 down, and then Keane makes that tackle, and the whole game's changed, and now Keane will maybe make a foul, 
and then he'll have a go at the ref, and then there's some pushing and shoving, and that switches the flow of the game. Patrick Vieira sliding tackle, they go nuts at the whole end, and and it changes things. If you've played sport, you know what I mean. That emotion, trying to suppress that emotion, is such a nerdy thing. Because I don't know if it's a syndrome of this modern era where anything masculine is trying to be, you, you know, oh, you're a meathead or whatever. And I'm like, whatever, I'm a meathead. I have no problem with that. Like, whatever. I like people get punched, getting punched in the face. I love aggression. I like testosterone. I, 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 like, I think it's an important part of society, you know. Like, I, I, I refuse to cow down in anything that's trying to weaken men. And that is not to say we should go back to the 1980s. I don't revere that time. But there is a space for men to be aggressive and it's in a controlled space. We call it a football pitch, a rugby pitch, cricket field, whatever, NFL field. I don't really, I don't know why you can't yell at the ref. And, and it's gotten so much better. It's not the 90s. And even then, if it went back to the 90s, I loved it. I love Wimbledon. I love Rooney, I mean, early Rooney, oh, my word. Remember, his face used to go so red. What's wrong with that? But what's happened now is the billionaires and the nerds are getting their fingers into the pie. And it's like, oh, no, it's a family product. No, it's not. Like, football is not a family product. And the problem with the Premier League is that it's become so expensive. And you've, you've read this, right? The stadiums are quieter because the working class just cannot afford to go. That's why in Germany it still works. That's why in Poland it still works. That's why you see these great atmospheres in Turkey. Right? In Germany, they've also got the price freeze and the, the fans just won't allow it. They won't allow you to charge £200 a game. But that's why Arsenal's atmosphere sucks. That's why. Right? Now, the west of London, it's never really been a working class game. But in general, that's why you hear... Fans are worried in the English Premier League. It's getting too expensive. They can't afford it. And it's becoming a tourist venue and a family thing. Because these rich people, they call them the prawn sandwich brigade, are the only people who can afford it. And that's what they're turning it into. And I think the Premier League needs to be very careful about that. Because part of what makes the Premier League great is those atmospheres. I just think there's too many nerds. There's too many weak people that are allowed to because let's face it, right? Anything too hyper-masculine now, everybody wants to squash it. Even simp men who want to seem like they're on... And ladies, I want to tell you, these men are not on your side. They just want to sleep with you. But they, they're going to they're gonna make you think, oh yeah, I'm on your side, ladies. They are not. Like, they are creeps. But anyway, there's, there's this thing, like any hyper-masculine man must be made smaller because it's dangerous. It's like, no, Relax. That's how you protect societies, by the way. Alpha males. No, no, not squirmy guy. Like, like Mr. I'm with you, ladies. No, no, he's not. So I don't like. Give me the passion. Give me the fight. And, and also, people make it seem like we, we're not reasonable. It's like there's a line where, you know, in, in sport, there are, there are a lot of, and I'm all for write the rule down, but there, there's unwritten rules. Like players know how far to go, how far not to go. And these guys ultimately just want to play. And the other thing is this. 
if it starts to get out of hand, we just we find the guys and we bring it back in. You find them a little bit of money and you bring it back in. But you don't want to take the passion out of it. And that's what these nerds are doing. There's too many nerds involved. I'm sorry. Sinbin? Come on. Why? Because here's the other part. Cynical fouls are a part of the game. We call them the dark arts. Why would you want to take that away from football? Atletico Madrid are such a great story in football. You know, those Italian teams play so differently to English teams. German teams, all of these teams, the, the South American teams, you know, your Luis Suarez types that are diving and whatever. There, there is dark arts in football. And I want to say this. Football is not a sport at that level. It's a TV show. So letting these, these other characters develop is important, right? Like Wayne Rooney, when he was yelling at people, like he used to make me furious, but that's good. Because you need a villain. You, you need a protagonist and an antagonist. It can't just be all bloody schoolboys like Frank Lampard. It can't be that. They're, 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 that's not interesting. You need Roy Keane, all right? You need Eric Cantona. We need these characters. It can't just be all Michael Essie and I'm playing football and then I'm walking off the field. But, but the nerds won't allow it. And, and it's, it's no good. I think we should be worried about it. If you're a football fan, you should be worried about it. Get the Sinbin thing out. No. Down to, down to 10 men for 10 minutes. No. No, no, no. I mean, Paul Merson made some good points it's not even about the people will have 10, 10 people behind the ball for those 10 minutes for me. And, and they'll wind the clock down, obviously. They're like, like that's, that's not it for me. That's not a change you need to make. Like, can we just get the refereeing and VAR right before we start making fundamental changes to the ebb and flow of the sport? Hate it. Hate the blue card. Hate it. I don't want to hear about the success at lower levels. I fab are saying... At the lower levels, it's had a good effect. This thing of wanting only the captain to speak to the ref. Why are we protecting referees? The, the referees are supposed to be the pantomime villain, by the way. Within the narrative, think of sport. Again, for me, sport is a TV show. The, the referee is the joker. He, we're supposed to all hate the ref. Neither side and the fans should like the ref. It's a part of the narrative. That's part of storytelling. All storytelling is narrative-driven. In every narrative, the ref should be hated. Or, I don't want to hear from the ref. In the ideal world, when a ref's had a cracking game, I haven't heard from him. Why are these refs becoming celebrities? Why is that a thing? And by the way, like, who cares? We have technology now. These refs are getting phased out anyway. They're refing less and less of the game. So, I, I just, I don't get why referees are being protected. Like, I haven't seen the Netflix thing, but I, even in rugby, like I don't know why people are protecting referees so much. Like, who cares? They're, why are referees becoming the star of the game? Like, just get whoever to administrate the game. And listen, there are worse and better refs, okay, whatever. But if you don't want a ref, get out of it. They are, it's, it's an incredibly well-paid gig. I think they get paid about £5,000 a game. So, it's fine. There, there will always be someone who wants to ref. There will always be someone who wants to ref. I was, I was reading a, a part of the Sky Sports article saying less and less people want to ref. That's nonsense. When they hear it's 5,000 pounds a game, please, they're going to ref. 
Football's fine. Football's just getting started. Like, stop protecting referees. That, that, that I'm not having. Like, if we don't protect the players, don't protect the referees. I, I, can't, I can't attack the players, right, as spoiled millionaires, and then say, protect the referees. Get that out of here. These nerds need to relax. Uh, Seferin, uh, my next uh, thing I want to talk about, is Seferin's leaving UEFA. It's it's a worrying time as a football fan. It it really is a worrying time, and he's just another nerd, right? He's a lawyer who like never played football, or, 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 or he's not really a football person. Like he's he's just another bureaucratic nerd, and too many of these guys have power now over what happens in football. And you you know what? For whatever he's done, maybe good, maybe bad. Uh, he's a politician and a lawyer. Like those people aren't to be trusted. UEFA's making less money now than they ever have. Now, FIFA, on the other hand, are smoking it more than ever. I'm, I'm very concerned about the future of football when it's just these nerds running it, as I was saying earlier. And Seferin was so on his high horse about players playing less, they're playing too much, it's just about money. Then he added the Conference League. And then he's kind of, he's allowed FIFA to bully UEFA into, and, and it doesn't quite work like this because FIFA and UEFA are actually, uh, they don't like each other. So they work against each other, which is weird. But he's allowed European clubs to go and play the World Club Cup, which is now basically a World Cup. It's 32 teams. This is the same guy. I remember his campaign line two years ago, or three years ago, was players need to play less. And the Super League's useless. But he's really creating a Super League by changing the format of the Champions League. It's, it's basically the Super League. So, it, like, crocodile tears for him. Uh, uh, crocodile tears. Do me a favor. Says he's tired. Like, cool, bro. Get out of the way. A- and again, here's another thing that I don't like about FIFA presidents. Any of these administrators. My favorite president ever is Angela Merkel. Right, grey suit. Be quiet and just be a top-level administrator. You know when top-level administrators are doing their job when you don't hear from them. Like why Seferin and who's the uh, Infantino? I mean Platini and these guys were crooks, obviously. But I don't want to hear from these guys. Just do your job, which is to administrate. Your only job is to administrate. Why do they talk so much in public? Why am I hearing so much from the president of, of UEFA? Why? Like, why am I hearing so much from Tebas? Like, where, do you remember when the Premier League was humming? If I asked you now, who's the CEO of the Premier League? If you're a football fan, like, who is the CEO of the Premier League? You've got no idea. In the NFL, I never hear from Roger Goodell. Guy earns $50 million a year, runs the best league, in the, the, the most profitable sports league in the world. I mean, Richard Masters, I, I couldn't call him out in a lineup. You know why? You know why the Premier League does so well? The, the administrators stay out of it. Like, oh, our job is to create revenue for this league. That's it. Make this a hot commodity for people to pay £7 billion for their TV rights. That is his only job. I, when was the last time you heard Richard Masters speak? You, like, if, you, if I said to you, who's Richard Masters? You have to think about it. Even if you're an avid Premier League fan. That's why I don't trust politicians over businessmen. Because you know what I like about businessmen? They're going to snake you. 
but at least I'll be upfront about it. It's about the money. So the politicians will always tell you, I'm a man of the people. Because all Seferin was doing was, I want to get elected again. I want to say the right things to get elected again. You know, I want the players to like me and be against the, the, the Super League and the fans. People are duped. Like, he's created the Super League. If you haven't seen the Champions League format for next year, it is the Super League format. He's given the big clubs what they want. He's a politician. Like, please, crocodile tears. The way he's talking about being tired and fighting against, like, fighting the good fight for football. Do me a favor. Do me a favor. If you just said UEFA want to make the most money, so that's why we don't want to do the Super League. Awesome. People, people will be like, man, that's not really cool. But we get that. But for him to take the political line of I saved football from the Super League, like, do me a favor, dude. You added the Conference League. And I've got no problem with it. By the way, like, like more money is better. I want more players in. Women's football is going to expand. We're going to get more football. I more football better for me. Like I'm, I don't feel that sorry for millionaires who get injured. Like whatever, just next one up. Whatever. There's lots of academy kids who can come up. There's lots of footballers. You know, like whatever. I mean, I want my heroes to stay and be fit. But like, hey, the world keeps moving. No, nobody cares about the CEO of BlackRock when he moves on. Like, fine. Whatever, you're a millionaire, you got injured, boo-hoo, keep it moving. Next one up. More football's better for me. Seferin. <sighs> These bureaucrats, they drive me crazy. Like, uh, I, I'm not sad that he's out. I'm not sad. Like, just keep it moving, dude. MKT Inspires or MKT at the MKT Show. Let's finish off on this. So Arsenal beat Liverpool 3-1 last week. And the celebrations by Arteta and Odegaard, it became a little bit of an issue. And Gary Neville and Jim Carragher spoke about it afterwards. And I thought it at the time, I'll be honest, like watching the game, I was like, what is going on here? Like, why is Odegaard walking around with the, with the cameraman taking photos? Like, bro, you, you wouldn't do that for every other game. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's lots of games where you've won. Like, you haven't done that. And I get the context of like... so So... I get the context of beating Liverpool, right? Oh, it hasn't been good. Uh, they've been poor over the last three games. And now they've won and people are writing them off. Like, I get that. So, one thing I want to explain is I was texting some Arsenal fans. And I said to them, hey, like, you guys didn't win the treble yesterday, you know? Like, expecting them to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you know what? It was a little bit over the top. The response from, like, two major Arsenal fans, but three in particular... But, but but the two sorry two in particular I text three I texted three of them was like oh what we can't celebrate and you have to take the context into account like look how hard it's been for us I'm like wait so you don't think those celebrations are over the top like like all three of them and I'm talking two of them in particular are like hardcore football fans like they they football proper we talk football all the time. I expected them to go, yeah, listen, that was a little over the top, but we won, you know what I mean? Banter, banter. But they were like, no, why do, why do you want to be the celebration police, the one, the one of my friends says. I'm like, bro, what are you talking about? Like, nobody's saying don't celebrate. But you know what? I thought about it. I thought about it. I, had, 
I was ruminating and I thought, what's going on here? And you know, guys, you may be able to relate to this. Guys more than girls. But you know that guy in school who, who can't get the, he doesn't get the ladies and it's, you know, but he gets rich in his 30s. So now he gets the lady who, she's fire now. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying she's fire. Now he's got his Range Rover and now he's got to take his lady everywhere. Wherever we go now, he's got to bring his lady. Hey, you guys met my girl, dog. Met, met my girl, dog. You know what I mean? Like, because he wasn't winning early, but now he's in IT. Boom. He's a success. Shout out to you, brother. He's making dollar dollar bills. And now he's got to bring his girl everywhere just to show everyone that, hey, I'm that boy. Isn't that what Arsenal felt like? Like, loser syndrome never leaves you. Loser syndrome never leaves you. Like, unless you keep a very close eye on it. If you were a loser in school, you're going to be a loser in real life. Like, money can't change that. And, you know, people who haven't, who aren't accustomed to winning, when they win a little bit, it's like awkward on them. They don't really know how to carry it. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like when, when people get rich and it's when, when poor people get rich quickly and then they start balling out. Guy's got a gold Audi for what reason? Like Obama Yang vibe. It just looks awkward. You, 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 you know when somebody's grew up with money. Like you, you, you know. He's balling out. He's been balling out. He's balling out now. He's not doing too much. Arsenal doing too much, guys. They're that guy in school. They're that guy. You know that loser syndrome. Like, losers will always be losers. And I thought to myself, oh, Arsenal are a bunch of losers. That's what's going on there. It's like they don't know how to conduct themselves when things are going well. And I want to be clear to Arsenal fans. It's not the celebrating that's the issue. That is, that's, we, like, anyone who listens to the podcast, I defended Arteta. I defended Arteta. He's a leader of men. But he's quite, he's quite insufferable when Arsenal win. But that one told me, it's like, oh, they don't know how to contain the energy of winning. Like, that should worry Arsenal fans. It's like, they are reacting to one victory against Liverpool as though that is going to propel them to a title. But then I thought, oh, they haven't won the league in 20 years, so they don't know how to conduct themselves accordingly. Again, it's that person who wins the lottery versus... Somebody who, who inherited money. You know, who's three generations into cash. There, there's a certain way to conduct yourself. And I thought, Arsenal's a bunch of losers. That's what they are. That was loser syndrome on full display. Like, we've won a little bit. We don't know what to do with ourselves. I call it loser syndrome. Once a loser, always a loser. You know, there's just some people, I'm sorry, there are some people who started out losers, they stay bitter, they're 30 now, they're rich, and now they're like on a revenge arc. Like, dude, no one cares. Arsenal don't know what to do about success. And it's not even great success, guys. It's three points. It's three points. And I understand it's a big game. But everybody who saw that should have been uncomfortable with it if you're an Arsenal fan. And again, I want to be very clear. I'll finish off on this. 
It's not the celebrating. It's the photos with the photographer. It's a 360 tour of the stadium. Like, what are we doing? That is not championship material. Man City aren't doing that. Prime Chelsea aren't doing that. Fergie's United aren't doing that. And then there was an edit I saw of Klopp pumping his fist in the stadium. But Klopp is celebrating with the fans. And I'm no like Klopp guy, hey, by the way. I'm like, I'm not as hot on Klopp as everybody else. I think he's a very good coach. But Klopp celebrates in the stadium. Then he leaves. So he, when it's an away day, he walks over to the fans. And then he, he takes his team out. Like, I don't see Liverpool going nuts ever. I've never, under Jurgen Klopp, unless I'm forgetting, where they're doing a full stadium tour, no matter who they beat. Yes, they acknowledge the fans. They, they do have special fans. You have to say Anfield is special. They clap the fans. Away, Jurgen will take the players, clap the fans, as because he comes from that culture. Dortmund, right? And he remember when he yelled, I forget who it was, when the guys went to the dressing room and he yelled at them and he called them out in the press conference to say, hey, these people have traveled, you will go and see them. For, for Jürgen, it's like, oh, it's, it's acknowledge the fans, but then leave. It's not photos and th- like a 360-degree tour where they're waving at the fans like, we've done it. Done what? That was embarrassing. If you're an Arsenal fan, you should be so embarrassed. You should be so embarrassed. Like, I wasn't going to address it because I thought, I thought Arsenal fans would be reasonable, you know? But they've come out, I've been seeing on social media. <clears throat> they've come out and, like, they're defending this. I'm like, that was embarrassing. That was absolutely embarrassing. What a bunch of losers. Like, they are not winning the title. Like, that kind of behavior lets me know. It's like, that was their World Cup. But you can't win the title like that. That should be three points. Arteta, we celebrate. Right, let's get back inside. We've got training tomorrow morning and recovery. Like, celebrate with the fans. Quick one. No photos. Like, what is Udegaard doing? What is going on? The celebrations were far too much, guys. We love it. The football is unbelievable. Arsenal are playing unbelievable. It's great. You've got the fans on side eventually after 20 years. But to do that... Do me a favor. And again, if you're a football fan, you know what I'm talking about. Like, that was too much. That was too much, guys. Come on. That was way too much. That was way too much. There's a way we all celebrate big victories. Show me the time Fergie, Prime Chelsea, any of the Prime Chelsea teams that won the five Premier League titles, and Man City. I've never seen Man City do that. I have never seen under Pep. Doesn't matter who they beat. I remember when they beat Chelsea. Was it 5-6-0? No stadium tour. <laughs> like, like, we expect to win. But that's what you see the difference with champions, right? Like, the losses kill us. But we expect to win. We don't, we don't, we don't celebrate the win because we expect to win. We don't hope to win. Like the great teams, it, it almost felt like they didn't expect to win. You know, the great teams don't hope to win. Man City don't hope to win. Prime Chelsea, Prime United under Fergie. So, Fergie, we don't need to celebrate the victories. You don't thank the postman for delivering the post. This is what we're supposed to do. You get upset with the losses. Arsenal, get it together. I'm sorry, you cannot be an Arsenal fan. Look at that and not be a little bit embarrassed. They celebrated like they won the treble. 
But then you think to yourself, it's been 20 years since winning a Premier League title. So they want to celebrate every little victory like it's the World Cup final. Like, bro, your girlfriend's not Cindy Crawford. I know in your mind, because you're a loser, because you, it's like maybe the third girl you've ever hooked up with in your life. And even then, she's, she might be into you for the money, so you're not actually sure. So you've got to overdo it, you know? You know when things aren't real, like people have to overdo it. Like when things are, like the best couples I know, they're not doing too much. Like when that dude is that dude, when that lady is that lady, cool public displays of affection, maybe early six months, but now they've got it going on. They just keep it moving. Arsenal were doing too much. You know that guy where he needs to show you, look at my girl, guys. Like he's almost got her as a prop. He's doing too much. Arsenal. But that's what losers do. Losers expose themselves like that. Like, oh, you're not used to winning. Act like you've been here. But they haven't. It's been 20 years. Premier League title. I get it. But, but that doesn't mean it's not embarrassing. If you're an Arsenal fan, you should be absolutely embarrassed. Because it's embarrassing. MKT inspires MKT at the MKT show. What do you think of Arsenal's celebrations? I mean, are you kidding me? Are we kidding each other? In the words of modern-day poet Figi Lembalul, what a bunch of losers. Speaking of, Bafana Bafana, shout out. You know, I have to be honest, I haven't watched Bafana Bafana in like a decade. They played well, man. I, I don't watch Bafana Bafana. I have to be honest. Uh, like, I'm on a sabbatical. I, I've only got so much energy. But, the, but they, they played well. If you're, if you're a South African fan, you can be proud of that. You can be proud of that. Um... You know, sometimes winning and losing at that level, it's a, it's a fine fine edge, right? You're on a knife edge. And there's, I mean, there's a horrendous miss. I don't know what the guy's name is who missed that volley. And it's such a simple volley. I was trying to explain to somebody why technically that was poor. Why he missed it. Like you, you, you don't. So as soon as the ball, the small little technical thing for you, if you're a football coach, we were taught this when I was six years old at the School of Excellence, is as soon as the ball is above your knee, you hit it with the laces. Because the technique there that he tried to side foot, you've got to be like a special player to get your weight over the ball. So the reason you hit that with your laces is the way to hit a volley and keep it down, technically, is to get your striking knee above the ball. But I, I like, I'm sorry, uh, probably boring people here. But I've known that since I was six because I got taught in an academy. Why a professional player can't do it, I just, is beyond me. And I don't want to hear about pressure. Like, bro, you're getting paid to be there. You must deliver. Like, okay, if it's a pressure thing, you're not good enough. Like, sorry. And that's not a difficult chance. That's an easy, and it's such a simple technique. But in those moments, this is why you got to do your 10,000 hours. Because that's got to be in your reflexive memory. You can't be thinking about technique then. In that moment, it's simple. You lean back, get your knee over the ball, and hit that with the laces and not the instep. Anything above your knee. So you watch the top footballers moving forward. Right? And I, listen, I love this stuff because I just I love football. As I say, more than anything, I, I, I'm a, bit of, I'm a, I'm a foot, full-on football nerd, actually. But I'm also, I've played. So I've played the game, in the words of Graham Sooners. And that, it's such a simple technique. So... If you are coaching, remember, ball above the knee, hit it with the laces because that forces you to get your striking knee. So that guy 
should have had he should have hit the ball with his laces because that would force him to get his knee up the foot that he's hitting the ball with it would get force him to get his knee above the ball and when that happens right is that you would hit it down and so your standing leg knee so watch all of the great footballers moving forward as soon as the ball gets above knee height they strike the ball with the laces right they will not do the instep the instep especially on the half volley that instep you've got to be like leo messi to have the technique and the timing to keep it down from there but watch everyone else anything above the knee you open up and hit it with the laces because your your knee must be above the ball anyway that that, that really i mean i was disappointed but i don't have expectations like my heart's not in my final fun so i was disappointed i'm south african it would be nice but you know like in my mind maybe i'm wrong but it is what it is. Like, it's about fun, have fun. Uh, I don't know what people expect. Like, I, I'm not going to pretend to be sad. So it's, it's not the spring box, you know. Like, I have, a, I have expectations for the spring box. I've always said to people, the worst thing I remember in my life is when I was screwing things up. Is, is there a worse feeling in the world than people not having expectations for you? And that's how I feel about my fun, have fun. It's like, yeah, they lost. Oh, well, you know, it's... I'm like I'm not sad. I'm not. It's like, hey, gave it a bash, boys, but I had no expectations for you. Never ever be that person in life, by the way. <laughs> Do not become the person where your family and loved ones have no expectations for you. Anyway, shout out to the boys. Shout out to you. Hope you have a great week. Uh we are back. I mean, big Premier League weekend, so uh the Monday show will be a cracker. I, I can't wait. Absolute cracker. It's it is it Aston Villa United this weekend. Uh looking forward to that. The the Super Bowl. I will be on Monday. I'm looking forward to that. So I'm back in the Kansas City Chiefs. I just think Patrick Mahomes is too good, uh, too clutch under under uh, the pump. And, you know, we're, we're witnessing a dynasty. I love it. Kansas City Chiefs, uh, magnificent. Andy Reid, uh, Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift. They're all doing it. It's big entertainment, big money. Uh, I'll certainly be getting up at around 4 a.m. Uh, to watch the Super Bowl on Monday morning. So uh, until the next time, uh, my name is MKT. This has been the MKT Show. And for now, I am the hell. Adi.